This is Madeline. And this is Cammy. And you're listening to a special edition of the Communities That Convert podcast. Episode number 4.5. And we're happy to be alive. We sure are. Welcome to the Communities That Convert podcast with Madeline Sklar and Cami Hoiza. In this podcast, you will learn how to build a tribe of raving fans. You will hear tips, ideas, and advice you can use right now on how to grow your own community and provide value that inspires them to take action. Are you ready to get started? So... What happened? Oh my gosh, since we last recorded, so much has happened in Houston. We live in Houston, Texas, right, Madeline? Fourth largest city in the country. I don't know if people realize how big we are. And we sit so close to the coast, we are at sea level. Yep, 4.5 million people in the Houston metro area. And Houston is huge. It has just so many communities stretched out across the entire metro area. So it's an amazing place to be, but it isn't surprising or hard for us to drive an hour to get somewhere, right? Madeline, I mean, that's normal, right? Sprawling city. Yeah, really sprawling. So uh, what happened? Can you tell me what happened? We had this little hurricane named Harvey that just decided to park itself and dump a lot of rain, way too much rain. Like way too much rain. It was so much rain. I have not seen this much rain ever anywhere ever. (laughs) It was a record breaker. They said we got like a year's worth of rain in the course of a few days. And what I think people don't realize is we get a lot of rain year round. We're a rainy city. So rain is something we get, but we got a lot of it all at once. We did. And it was like really, really, really scary because so many of my friends are without a home today. I mean, I just know so many people that don't have a place to live. I mean, you have people in your own family. So yeah, kind of very sad. It's very sad. So we decided we wanted to do a special edition of the podcast and just talk a little bit about, you know, how to recover from a disaster and how community plays such a big role in that. It does. And I really noticed that a lot. And I guess probably because we're doing this podcast, I'm so much more aware of like all of the little nuances of community as it unfolds. But it was really, really outstanding and so extraordinary during this crisis, how the community just rose up and did all kinds of amazing things. And I really wanted to share that with everybody that listens to the podcast, because I think that we can all learn from that and how people respond during these kinds of disasters. Uh, Because unfortunately, I don't hope that any of you ever are in this kind of a situation. But if you are in this kind of situation, you might want to have some things to think about. So I wanted to do this. What do you think, Madeline? Is this a is this a good, are we going to be able to get some, some information out there to people? I think so. I think we'll be able to have some good takeaways for people in the event that they're dealing with a crisis and a disaster, hopefully not of this magnitude. But social media was incredible. I mean, using that to, did you see the story? It was on 2020 a few nights ago, the young lady who was using Facebook Live to basically say, help, we're on a rooftop and there's water everywhere and nobody's coming for us. It was incredible watching. And I was doing Facebook live reports because so many of my friends on social media wanted to know if I was okay. So social media was huge for this. Right. I totally agree with you. And I saw a lot of those reports as well. I didn't actually do any live streaming because 
my uh, family are a little bit camera shy. They don't like to be on social media on my platform. So I, I was honoring their request to please don't put that on Facebook. Sure. <laughs> there was a lot of that in my house. But what I would say is I did watch updates from you, from like my other friends and Seguin, Rand Stevenson, who I um, mm. have the Texas Travel Talk blog, which by the way, we were launching Texas Travel Talk blog as Harvey was like bearing down on the coast. So we had to postpone that. We had to put that on the back burner. So that's one of the things that I thought was really interesting too, is that you have to understand when to pause your social media yes. um, during these things. And one of the things I have a lot of things going to buffer and I went through and I, I did not, it didn't automatically shut off. So I had to go in there and turn off all my buffer channels and make sure that, you know, business as usual wasn't happening. Well, two days later, buffer sent out an email and said, we have decided to put in a pause all channels during disasters button. And I don't know if Harvey really made them do that or not. Maybe they've been working on it for some time. Yeah. But I actually sent back an email to them and said, thank you so much for adding that because I was going through and doing that by hand one channel at a time. And they got back to me and said, we're so glad that you're, you know, okay. That's and, awesome. Yes. I didn't get that. That's, that's interesting because I didn't see that. Yeah, you, it may have gone through your email. Look back and see, but they did send out a thing with a feature update. And that's I just- wonderful. Yeah. So I responded to him and I was like, yeah, thank you so much because that really was helpful. So that's one thing that you should do, honestly, if you are a person that runs channels, as soon as a disaster like this happens, you need to make a decision about whether you want to go forward with your messaging or whether it's more appropriate to pause things just for a little while until things yeah. kind of calm down and out of respect. Certainly being in the eye of the storm, as you will, we weren't really in the eye, but on the edge of the very windy and rainy edge of the storm we just made a decision to pull back, especially for a travel in Texas blog. Sure. That yeah. makes perfect sense. Yeah. So during a, a crisis like that, usually you're going to see a bunch of hashtags pop up that can be super helpful to stay connected. There were lots of them, I yeah, noticed. There were. And that was what was really interesting to me because one of my community members reached out and said, hey, Cammie, what hashtag should we be using for this? disaster because I don't know which one to use. And I was like, well, I've seen a lot of hashtags. But what was really interesting is the first day it was Harvey. And then yes. I saw Harvey 2017, a lot of Harvey 2017. Yeah. And then Harvey Storm came out a little bit. And then as the water kept falling, it changed to Harvey Flood. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> right. And the Houston Flood too, I should say Houston Flood was on there as well. And then now it's more turning to Harvey Recovery Houston strong right. has come out really strong. So I think Houston yes. strong might be the winner hashtag in the end. In fact, a young lady in my church, she made a t-shirt that says Houston strong on it. And she was selling them online. She raised $2,000 for the Red Cross wow, in like that's just under 24 hours during the storm. And she was just a, board, a board kid, junior high, high school kid. I can't, I think she's high school, a young oh. high school kid who was just like, hey, I want to do something. I'm stuck in my house and I want to do something. And that actually kind of brings me to the next level, which is when people are sitting through these storms, one of the things that you feel honestly is helpless. Like you want to do something, really. You want to help, yeah. you want to do something. If you're not in immediate danger, which you were in kind of immediate danger, I think, in a little bit. You were a little bit nervous about your house, right? I was really nervous. That was early, I think it was Sunday morning, Saturday Sunday. night, Sunday morning. Yeah. And the water just kept getting higher and higher. I was using social media. Mm -hmm. What was interesting, I was kind of using 
Facebook Live to document for myself that, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like, well, sure, I could have just made a little video for myself, but people want to know. And this is basically iNews reporting, right? Eyewitness reporting. And, you know, people around the country or really around the world, I have a lot of Facebook friends and they felt like, wow, I'm getting the real time news right now as to what's happening. And it just to kind of see like, okay, when I did this earlier, the water was coming over the curb. And now here we are an hour later, it's coming up my driveway. I said, yeah, I was doing some reporting and showing what was happening. And it got very hairy. I mean, I really thought the water was going to come in my house. It was literally a few feet away. I started moving everything upstairs. I am very fortunate to be in a two-story house. A lot of houses in my neighborhood do not have two stories. And came on the news, they were talking about people going to their attics because they had nowhere else to go. I, know. I mean, hearing about a 90-year-old lady having to be brought up into the attic with her family was just heartbreaking. But you know, you have to do what you have to do in these situations. I'm just grateful that it did not get into my house. Yeah, I am too. I mean, I had some damage for sure, but I had no yeah. flooding. So that was really, 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 really scary. So one of the things I saw as I went along is different people did different things. And I I kind of saw these four different buckets of response, which I thought were pretty helpful. Um, One of them was initiators. And that was people that just went out there. They were organizing their own outreach efforts. They were rescuing people. They were starting shelters. They were housing people in their own houses. People were taking their own boats out and like rescuing people and bringing them back to their house. I mean, it's amazing. Just amazing things. Uh, friends of mine were rescued that way. It's just crazy. Um, so I call those the initiators. Those are the people that are like, take me out into the storm. Let's go. Let's get this thing done. Then I saw the aggregators. Those are people that were sitting at home with their computers because we did have power for the large part if you weren't being completely flooded. And right. even if you were flooded, a lot of people had power still. Anyway, those people I call aggregators. And those people were organizing on the fly and they were doing things like pulling up and making interactive Google Maps to show you where you could go or where you couldn't go, where the roads were down, where the shelters were, where donation points were. I thought that was really interesting because now we have the tools like Google Maps and stuff where you can actually do that in real time without any coding experience. And the coders were getting really fancy, you know, putting all the other cool stuff in there. So those I call aggregators. And they were making lists of things, you know, lists of places you could go and lists and so on. And then the amplifiers, which probably is more who I am, are people that would share what other people have created. So I was trying to pull all these creations and share the ones that I saw that I knew were legitimate because there was some also some misinformation being spread around. We can talk about that in a minute. But those amplifiers are the ones that look at all that information and they share what the aggregators are making out to their communities. And then the fourth kind that I saw, which I thought was really interesting, was what I will call the participators or the participants. And those are the people who are like, where can I volunteer? Where can I bring my stuff? Where can I do that? So these are the ones who respond to what the amplifiers and aggregators and initiators are doing in this positive way where they're really, really being helpful. And it, it can get out of hand. So one of the things I found out with the technology is that we need to have something that says when to stop bringing something. Because, you know, people would bring so much stuff. Sure. Uh, My church opened a shelter and I have never seen anything like it. There were like towels that were stacked up to the ceiling. People just came and brought and whatever you needed. And there was so much food in there that you would feed an army. So, you know, people were responding. People want to give. People want to give in a time like this. You know, they feel helpless watching this unfold. Mm -hmm. And so many people are using social media to do this. 
But I saw two amazing heroes that were acting as the participants here. And that was Marcus Lamones, who he has a TV show on CNBC mm-hmm. called The Prophet. He's a CEO of Camping World. And he kept doing these Facebook Live videos saying, you can drop off clothing, gently used or brand new to any of our locations. And people were also donating cash, like bringing money. And he said, we're going to match all of this and keep giving. And then JJ Watt, who's a very famous football player here on the Houston Texans, did this amazing, have you seen this with youcaring.com, what he did? He has raised $15 million so far, is incredible. And so if people want to give, I I gave to this organization, it's you, youcaring.com. And I would recommend this is completely legit. I had people asking me if it was legit. It's youcaring.com slash JJ Watt. The letters J-J-W-A-T-T. Highly recommend it. Yeah. So those are the really cool things I saw. And another one that I saw was, of course, media, local media, which was they were on social media yes. live streaming. So that's the really interesting thing I saw in this storm, too, is that you could watch all of the live streaming on social media immediately. So I would listen to the mayor live. I would listen to all yeah. of these different people were live streaming. And one of the ones I was listening to a lot was Channel 13, because I was following Sheila Lopez, who was helping, you know, who's really part of our social media breakfast community. Yes. And one of the things that I thought was amazing is they were at the edge of the water where these boats were going out to get people, but they'd run out of fuel on one of the boats and they had no way of getting fuel. And so they're like, oh my gosh, we're out of fuel. We need fuel. And then while they were live streaming within that 10 minute timeframe, people started showing up with fuel. Amazing. The power of social media and community right there. (laughs) He goes, yeah, my wife just saw you on Facebook and she told me to get in the car and come down and bring this five gallons of gas that we had in our our garage. Amazing. Because they had it there for their, you know, lawnmower, which they won't need for a while. Anyway, so they brought it over. So I just say that, you know, that that whole participant part is so important, but you have to have good information to go on. Those amplifiers need to pass on information that's um, valid and good. And then I had another thing that I noticed, which I really wanted to talk about, which was this whole how, how you yourself, if you're in crisis, can connect with your community. Yes. And the first thing that I thought was interesting is, you know, you want to, you first of all, you want to check in. Okay, so people start getting really nervous when they don't hear from you when these kinds of events are going on, especially if they're out yeah. of the area. They don't realize that Houston is so big and like you could be unaffected where everybody else was. So they said that Katie was underwater. So my family was all freaking out. So they're like, where are you? So, you know, start checking in with people. So one of the really great ways to do that is using social media because you will get a thousand text messages. So if you check in every morning and say, I'm alive, I'm well, people will actually look at your Facebook page first. Facebook is so perfect for this, Cami. And one of the things I love about Facebook is they have that check-in feature automatically if you, with the GPS, if you're in a certain area, like, you know, when you hear of a tragedy where, you know, there's a mass shooting going on, if you're within a certain mile radius, a thing's going to pop up to ask, are you safe? And it's important to, to say yes and let people know you're okay. So when this was going on, even though hurricane was to the south of us, we were all in Houston getting this. And I kept seeing friend after friend after friend checking in saying they're okay. I think it's incredibly important it was, to do it that. It was super helpful. I agree. I mean, I, I have to tell you, I w- there was a little bit of hesitation, not for me, because I felt like I was safe. Because you're like, well, I'm safe right now, but the water is right. almost at my door. Soon. So I do think that one thing people need to know is you can actually update that. Yes. 
Exactly. And I'm so glad you brought this up, Kimmy, because I think a lot of people were, they talked about how they were hesitant to check in and say I was okay, because we got that notification pretty early before we Mm -hmm. started getting the flooding. Mm -hmm. So I was hesitant. Then I finally did it. I thought, well, this will let everybody know I'm okay because they are worried. And, uh, And yes, you can edit and redo it at a later time. Right. And then another thing that we can do is you can check in and then you can also check up. So you can check up on people. So one of the things that I did every day is I actually had a list in my, so I opened my day timer, which I'm now doing a paper one, like for daily kind of planning, just because I need, I need it. But I started to write the names of people that I thought were were dangerous. I had you on there. I had, you know, my friend Shelly Porchetti, who actually, unfortunately her house did flood. Um, I had Michelle Price on there and I had Brian Block on there and I had a number of other people that you probably don't know, but I was checking it and Shelly, and she's the one who does my, did my photo. She's the one who does my, um, yes. Okay. Anyway. So I was checking up on everybody every day. So I was coming up in the morning, opening up Facebook, going to each page and seeing if they'd done an update. One of the things you also need to learn is to make sure to go to their actual page. So you can see what their most recent update is. Um, Yes. Because if they were in danger at one point, they may not be anymore. So you need to kind of check on their Facebook Yes, because I want to bring a point to that. So a lot of people were complaining about because in the news feed, you can set it to be, you know, most recent, you can do chronological, but it's not automatic It's defaulted to be most popular and work with the algorithm. And so people were complaining that they were seeing updates that were like 16 hours old. And in a crisis like this, that's no good. So it's a good point. You can either go in your news feed and manually adjust it to be most recent. Or yes, go to each person's individual Facebook page well, and, and go their profile. You, even if you do adjust it to be most recent, mm-hmm. a lot of people are having trouble with it actually doing that. Do you know what I'm saying? So there was actually some yeah. issues with that. So it wasn't working exactly right. So I'd say Facebook needs to take a look at that yeah. a little bit. They, they really do because this was a huge crisis. It affected so many people up and down the entire coast of Texas. I mean, maybe during a crisis, Facebook should flip it to be most recent just for that geographical area. It should always. Yeah, I saw people talking about that and and hoping that Facebook is listening because that would be a great thing for them to do. Facebook listens to our podcast, don't they? Sure. (laughs) Hi, Facebook. Hi, Facebook. Please do this, please. It would have helped us a lot. So checking up on people is really important and keeping up with them every day. Yes. Make a list and just check up on them. And then checking out. I put that on here because I also spent some time, like especially once the storm slowed down, and sun came back out, I went outside and I got away from the computer and tried not to be like glued to the news at all times because you're stuck in your house for five days in a row and you're like, so there's mental health break and there's compassion fatigue that sets in. You need to go out and just clear your mind and do that kind of thing. So we went for a bike ride the other day. As soon as the sun came out, I got the kids on the bike and we went for a bike ride. Nice. Um, we went for ice cream yesterday. Luckily, Baskin Robbins was open and it was the 31st and they were giving a dollar fifty single scoops. Oh, nice. That's, a That's wonderful. They have going, so they kept that going. So a lot of people came out for that. People just need to connect with each other. They do. Yeah. Like in real life yeah. kind of thing. Also, we went over to my church and helped out at the shelter that had been set up there. And I sat down with a woman and her two sons and her mom and just talked about her apartment and how the water came in and how she was rescued and just a very classy lady with like, you know, never in a million years would be thinking she'd be sitting in the situation that she was in. So 
you know, I just think that, you know, connecting with people in real life becomes really important too during these disaster events and trying not to get too stressed out about it. I mean, there's a lot of like road rage going on right now in Houston and some other things too that I've been hearing about here and there. So, you know, take a break, go away. I put that up on my uh, Facebook page yesterday, last night, go on vacation, you know, leave Houston. If you have like a really, your house is safe and you, your kids are off for the next week, which by the way, they are, you know, Hey, think of it as a really great time to get away for a little bit as a family and maybe do something fun and don't feel bad about it. Because when you come back, believe me, there's going to be tons of work to be done and we need to do this for the long haul. Right? So this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. So take breaks and get your mental health straight. That's all. I would just say, what do you think? I agree 100% with everything you said. I'm so glad that we decided to do this special edition of the Communities That Convert podcast to just share what we've gone through and hopefully help others in this situation. Yeah, and maybe we'll have more to report here in a couple of days because we're going to have social media breakfast this next week. And we're going to actually be a community. I'm going to be an aggregator of communities And we'll have a lot more to share with you. But thank you guys for listening. And hopefully this will help you too whenever you're thinking about any kind of crisis situation you might find yourself into. So namaste. Thank you, everybody. Hey, this is Madeline. And I want to let you know you can connect with us on our website at communitiesthatconvert.com. You can get all the information in the show notes for this episode. And we also encourage you to visit us on our Twitter profiles. You can reach out to me at Madeline Sklar. That's spelled M-A-D-A-L-Y-N-S-K-L-A-R. And also to Cami. Her Twitter handle is at CamiChat. And that's spelled K-A-M-I-C-H-A-T. We look forward to hearing from you. listening to the Communities That Convert podcast with Madeline Sklar and Cami Hoiza, where you learn how to build a tribe of raving fans. Stay in touch with Madeline and Cami through their website at communitiesthatconvert.com. Communities That Convert.